0: From WJFF Radio Catskill, this is Close to Home, the podcast that explores the people, issues, and institutions in the Catskill Mountains, the heart of small-town America. I'm your host, Leif Johansson. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. We're taking a break this week from our multi-part, multi-interview segments to have a conversation with Nancy McGraw, the Sullivan County Public Health Director, about the vaccine rollout here in the Catskills. I felt like it was important to put a spotlight on this issue this week, as vaccinations in the United States are heavily ramping up. Nationwide, we're averaging over 2 million vaccinations per day right now, which just a few months ago seemed like a, a distant dream. Last week, Johnson & Johnson teamed up with Merck, another pharmaceuticals company that is traditionally a fierce competitor to increase production of its vaccine, and President Biden announced plans to have enough COVID vaccine for every adult in the country by May. It's exciting. Even as someone who, as a fairly young person, lucky enough not to have any comorbidities, probably won't get vaccinated for a while, I feel like we're turning a corner and that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, even as newer, more contagious strains of the virus are spreading at pretty alarming rates throughout the country right now. Of course, however, we don't have the same population or infrastructure in rural America as most bigger towns and cities do, so I was curious what ramping up vaccination efforts in the Catskills looks like. Nancy McGraw joined me over the phone from the vaccination site at Sullivan County Community College.
1: (music) The primary goal right now and will continue to be for the short term foreseeable future is to get as much vaccine as possible out as quickly as possible that we can. Um, I think as as the county health department and as the, a county as a whole, uh, with the vaccine that we have been given mm-hmm. so far, we're doing an outstanding job <clears throat> um, of rolling out the vaccine getting it out quickly in seven days or less every single week that we've received it since January 20th. We've vaccinated well over 3000 people as of today, just since January 20th. And that's just our health department. That doesn't include Garnet health medical center, which has also vaccinated several thousand people. Um, Some pharmacies, local small pharmacies have gotten vaccine and they've vaccinated several hundred people week after week after week. The big, uh, the one big gap is that our healthcare providers, uh, need to be getting vaccine and we've advocated for that at the state level. So they will hopefully very soon be getting a larger, larger, um, initial amounts of vaccine and then larger amounts going forward. So <clears throat> that includes, um, Garnet healthcare providers, um, in various practices throughout the county as well as crystal run healthcare they are the backbone of our healthcare infrastructure in this county and we need them in order to support the efforts of the county health department Um, but our operations are going very efficiently and smoothly and we've scaled up and we're doing a minimum of 400 vaccines per day at SUNY Sullivan one of the limiting factors that not just our county, but every county is faced with is the restrictions <clears throat> that come with the vaccine in terms of from the state. Uh, and this is also tied in, has been tied into the federal government and their their guidelines in terms of which priority groups can receive the vaccine first. So it's very difficult to plan, but we're doing a great job in terms of you have to plan one week at a time um we put in a request for vaccine every monday um and we may or may not get the amount that we request and um, we get confirmation about it um usually on a tuesday for the fall for that week so we really have to be prepared ahead of time with a lot of tentative scheduling of location and reaching out to groups to get them registered. That's why we have a notification list so that we can sort people by category. So let's say for example, we get notified of Moderna vaccine, we're getting 200 doses, just as an example. The state's gonna tell us who we're allowed to give that to this week. Is it gonna be for 65 and older? Is it gonna be for essential workers in 1B category? Which can get a little complicated. The state keeps adding, um, sort of titles of people who are eligible to get the vaccine, who are eligible in either 1A or 1B. The hospitals have been restricted to doing 1A, which is healthcare workers. Um, health departments are restricted to 1B. It's a growing group, but we started, we were, we were required to start with first responders. Um, police, firefighters, teachers, and other essential workers.
0: So the county doesn't get to make the decisions on who gets what vaccine when. That's all made at at the federal level?
1: That's made at the state level.
0: At the state level, okay.
1: Um, It's it's tied to what's available federally and, and what they give the state. But then the state turns around and reallocates it by region and by county. And they tell us from week to week who we're allowed to give it to and then we have to make sure that we you know we're required to prove eligibility so people when they want when they register for an appointment you know they have to meet the eligibility criteria so we just recently started getting vaccine for people with comorbidities and those are underlying health conditions that put people at higher risk if they are exposed to COVID-19 so Um, but that's been a limited amount and we've really been focusing on essential workers and more recently on people 65 and older.
0: So in terms of the the um, numbers on that front, the comorbidity numbers, you know, Sullivan County has a population of what, about 76 or 77,000. So how many people are we looking at that, um, would fall into that comorbidity category?
1: Well, it's interesting because, uh, you know, that's been our argument all along is, you know Mm we. We've got a lot of uh, folks who are probably going to qualify and have some kind of comorbidity, but the state has developed a list of what those conditions are. And, you know, it's some conditions qualify and some don't. And you have to have a letter or some kind of medical documentation from your doctor to prove that eligibility. Um, this is also why we think that healthcare providers getting the vaccine is a is a smart choice because they know their patients and they know their conditions. When they come to our clinic, we're happy to do it, but they need to have a doctor's letter because we have no other way of knowing uh, how to prove eligibility. If you um, have asthma or COPD or cancer or some immune disorder, um, I believe obesity is also on the list. Um, And then we have to have some kind of note that proves that your BMI is over 30. So, you know, it's little things like that. And there are penalties uh, for not, you know, we have to make sure that who we're giving the vaccine to is truly eligible. So we ask for ID for proof of age, New York State residents. And then uh, if you're an essential worker, we've been working directly with a lot of the school districts to get the teachers in and get the school personnel in we know by working directly with them, they still have to bring proof of employment, either an ID badge or a letter from their employer that proves that they're in essential worker. work. I so see. there's a, there's a lot of pieces in terms of planning. So we would like to be able to just, you know, not have these restrictions as much as they are. And I, th- I think maybe they'll relax the restrictions going forward as more and more of the population gets vaccinated. Um, and I understand the reasoning for wanting to do it this way so that those who are at highest risk get vaccinated uh, first until vaccine becomes much more widely available.
0: Right. So when vaccine comes into Sullivan County, what's generally the turnaround time right now between when it gets shipped into the county and when it's going to get uh, into someone's arm?
1: We generally um start getting it in arms either the same day or within a day or two afterwards. we have seven days to use wow. each shipment from the day we receive it, and uh, we've been doing a really great job, so we haven't we haven't missed the step yet, and we're not going to A lot of planning goes into this.
0: I can only imagine. So how long do you expect, you know, and obviously you you don't have to give an exact date or anything here, but generally how long would you expect the wait to be for just the general public? Maybe people that don't have specific comorbidities or anything, but just a a normal adult um, to, you know, when could they expect to be getting the vaccine?
1: So it really depends on how quickly uh, those providers who are distributing vaccine um, are able to get through the eligible categories, the high risk categories. We really, we have to, we're required to do them first. I think that, you know, it, it makes sense that an average healthy person who's less than 65 is not going to be higher risk than somebody who's 65 and older or who's a cancer survivor or something like that. So um, we do want everybody to get a vaccine who wants the vaccine. The state uh, vaccination sites are probably a better option for your your average, healthier middle-aged person uh, with no underlying health conditions, because their wait is going to be much longer at a county-operated site or even your doctor's office or pharmacy. Pharmacies have to stick to 65 and older. Um, there are certain, certain providers can only serve certain groups. We understand that right now as we work through the uh, – trying to get the the most vulnerable in our communities protected – Um, but as it opens up and vaccine becomes more widely available, I think that'll, it'll become easier. So these state mass vaccination sites may be a better option. I realize it's quite a drive from here to anywhere, (laughs) whether you're going north, south, or east, um, or west, um, to go to a mass vaccination site, a state operated site. But you might, uh, those appointments are starting to open up. I looked on the website today, and there's a lot more appointments available. Um, Syracuse, Albany, Binghamton, um, Utica, even parts of, uh, you know, down towards the city. So uh, it just depends on whether some people have the resources to get there. From a public health perspective, our our role is really to protect the most vulnerable and the underserved. And people who may not have the resources to get in a car and drive two hours um, – So we really want to focus on
0: those folks as well. Have you encountered a lot of folks who are skeptical about the vaccines or have said that I, you know, I will not be getting this vaccine? Um, And do you fear that people who refuse to get the vaccine will will um, that, that will cause further public health issues going forward, even as vaccines do become widely available? Is this something that we should be worried about?
1: Well, I think that um, with, with any vaccine and, and certainly a, a, a vaccine that is under is relatively new and under the emergency use authorization that we understand some people may be hesitant, but for the most part, um, people are banging down the doors to get this vaccine and they understand that it could be life-saving and it could protect someone in their family who's more vulnerable than they are. So for the most part, we've seen, you know, really, really high demand. Um, I think within certain populations, there may be um, more skepticism. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of provider groups and public health departments and state health department are trying to educate people in terms of vaccine acceptance and kind of address their questions and concerns that they might have about hesitating to get the vaccine we're going to continue to do that
0: we also still don't know if the vaccine is safe for for kids yet it sounds like there's there's still being clinical trials run on that front um do you foresee mm-hmm. um that being a public health issue going forward do you do you imagine that this this delay in even knowing if kids can be vaccinated much less actually vaccinating the 20 something percent of the United States that's under the age of, uh, 18. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that as a result, our schools will still sort of be in pandemic mode as it were, uh, for a, a significantly longer period of time than maybe just our, our businesses and regular public areas?
1: Well, I think we have to wait and see. Um, the number of people, um, the number of children in this country who are um, getting sick with COVID is a very, very small number. And now you never want to even have one. But, you know, it's very tragic and unfortunate if a child gets sick, has complications of COVID-19 or develops multi-inflammatory systemic disease. And we don't want to see that. But those numbers have been very small. Um, For the most part, um, it's it's the, the adults and the older um, population that if they are exposed are, are really um, having severe consequences and even risk of death um, from COVID-19. So I think that we'll get there as a country in terms of the clinical trials. They want to make sure that the research is, is done um, methodically and correctly and, and they have enough of a population of children under 18 that they've done the clinical trials on to say yes we feel that you know with a certain percentage of, of certainty that this is safe for this this uh under 18 population so we'll get there
0: I think that another big question on, on everyone's mind right now is, you know, when are things going to start looking kind of normal ish again, um, in your, your knowledge about the, the scaling up of vaccine distribution and whatnot, do you think that, you know, I can start planning my July 4th party or, or should I hold off on that for now?
1: Well, I think that we're going to start to see things opening up a little bit more and they already have been in terms of, you know, weddings and different events. But until we can say with any certainty that, you know, we've got, you know, 60 to 70% of our vulnerable populations vaccinated, we're going to have to continue to be vigilant about social distancing and hand-washing and wearing masks, even in people who are fully vaccinated, because I could be fully vaccinated and be standing next to someone who's not vaccinated at all uh, or in a group of people, and uh, the virus can still be transmitted. Being fully vaccinated with two doses uh, does not necessarily give you a free ticket not to wear a mask. Um, and we're really trying to educate people about that because um, you can still get the virus, even if you're fully vaccinated. It's not a hundred percent guarantee. Um, it just means that you will have more protection and be much, much less likely to get sick if you're exposed. So it's going to be a while, unfortunately. Um, you know, this is a marathon, not a, not a sprint. <laughs> And we're all pretty tired. Uh, we've been doing this for just about a year now. We're coming up on the one year anniversary, uh, when we saw our first case in the United States and in Sullivan County. Our first case was March 16th of last year. And so, you know, we're, we're tired. We're exhausted. We're running at warp speed, but we're in this for the long haul. And this is what we have drilled for every year since 9-11, public health departments have drilled and planned for emergencies like this, but we never quite expected the pandemic that we were hit with.
0: What are some of your biggest concerns going forward from where we are now?
1: I think um, helping people to understand the importance of getting vaccinated to protect themselves and to protect others is gonna be an ongoing challenge. And I think communication, 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 helping people understand why we're doing what we're doing, why we're going in order of priority groups and highest risk. Now, I, I, I understand there's gonna be people who are really, really frustrated, and there have been, that are eligible, but they can't seem to get a vaccine anywhere. So we're hoping that uh, at, at the state level, there will be some kind of coordinated, better coordinated statewide system. Um, there's a vaccine locator um, where you can look up by zip code the facilities that have vaccine. Now that doesn't mean you can just go there and show up. You have still have to navigate their website or make a phone call and get on a list and then wait to be notified when vaccine becomes available. So it's a bit frustrating. Um, for people, and we just ask them to continue to be patient. We are getting a lot more people through the door. Um, just this past week alone, as, as of the end of today, we will have done an additional um, 1,300 vaccines in one week. Wow. And we know the hospital's continuing to vaccinate people. Um, You know, it is a two-dose thing, and we're hoping to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine so that there's only one dose required and people don't have to come back for their second appointment. It's a scheduling um, challenge because we have to make sure that people are um, eligible and then are scheduled to come back for that second appointment, so we have to create those appointments and, and schedule those slots. And if we can just go with a one dose uh, vaccine, we'll be able to get through a lot more people a lot faster.
0: I saw that the Johnson and Johnson vaccine had um, a a, a, what is it? a success rate, I'm not using the right word, um, of I think 72%. It looked like that's lower than the other vaccines that are currently available in the U.S. right now. Is that something that we should be concerned about or, or is that does that still mean, no, this is effective? Don't worry about getting the shot. You're much better off for it.
1: No, absolutely. I think that, you know, um, in terms of risk and reward, um, of any vaccine with a 72% efficacy rate is is better than not getting vaccinated and having no protection. And while the other vaccines may have, uh, you know, the research showing higher efficacy rates over time, Um, it's still an effective tool to use in the pandemic because, you know, having 72% efficacy and and protection is certainly better than than none.
0: Nancy McGrath, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. I really appreciate it. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Uh, No, I would just encourage people to... um, to be, to be patient, to go to our website. Uh, it's for people who cannot navigate the internet or get frustrated by trying to figure out how to sign up to be on our notification list. We do have the Office for the Aging and the Emergency Community Assistance Center are helping people over the phone. You can call and they will help you. they will have somebody sitting at a computer who will get you on that notification list. Now, that does not give you an appointment. There's a second step. Uh, we would, you would be notified if, if and when you're in a category and we get vaccine and you're next in line. So there's thousands and thousands of people on this notification list, and I think this week alone we've gotten through a thousand of them. So um, we'll keep moving through the list, and um, you know that number is eight four five eight zero seven. And uh, we'll continue to make people aware of uh, where else they might be able to get a vaccine as more providers start to get it.
0: And again, that number for the Sullivan County Emergency Community Assistance Center is 845-807-0925. The site that Nancy was talking about earlier that we can go to here in New York to see if we're eligible to get the vaccine is, and this is a bit of a mouthful, so I'll say it twice here and then I will add it in the episode's description, it's am-i-eligible.com. COVID19 vaccine dot health So again it's am i dash eligible dot covid nineteen vaccine dot Thank you again to Nancy McGraw for speaking about Sullivan County's vaccination program. And we will check back in with her further down the road as both the vaccination and the COVID situation evolves in the Catskills. That's our show for this week. We'll be back next Sunday with a new deep dive into one of the major issues affecting folks in rural America. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay involved. I'm Leif Johansson. This is Close to Home, and you are listening to WJFF, Radio Catskill.